Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 6, Tribe, with myself and Aaron McGowan. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm your host, Matthew, they, them pronouns, and I'm joined, as always, on The Bad Batch by Ms. Erin McGowan, Ahsoka cosplayer extraordinaire. Uh, Erin, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. I'm really excited about my day today. Uh, This evening, I'm actually going to be taking an aerial silks class. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I'm excited to spin around and twist myself up and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. How about you? Uh, Doing good. This episode, you know, I was thinking... uh, Watching this episode, that last season at least, The Bad Batch was a fun show and it connected in ways, but it never really hit the sort of I have emotional damage moments for me, except maybe the first start of Order 66 stuff in the first episode. Mm-hmm. This was one, and not in a bad way at all. Like, I loved it, but this was one, I, I had chills and like. I was really hit hard by this episode in a way that I did not expect from the Bad Batch. What what about you? How did you feel about this episode? Yeah, I mean, similar. Like, we haven't visited the Order 66 Jedi thing in a while mm-hmm. on the Bad Batch. And especially seeing Gunji, like, a Padawan that we knew, that we saw in the Clone Wars. We yeah. saw him get his um, kyber crystal and make his first lightsaber. And to see him now, he's been on the run for about a year or however long it's been Mm -hmm. and he's just hurt and he's scared and just like to see that and bring him back to like his people but they can't find his tribe but they just like accept him anyways it was just really beautiful yeah so let me give a quick plot summary for those who either haven't seen the episode or listening to this later and want to want a refresher um, we start out with our heroes, the Bad Batch. They're in the middle of some kind of clandestine deal, and like the lighting and the music really lets you know like they're they're not dealing with the best people in this episode. And it, it's they're all droids who are part of I think it was the Axis faction. Was that what they're called? Yeah, the station is called the Vanguard Axis. Right. So I think, and right. they are um, they basically want chain codes, the things that the Empire is using to identify all people. So it's a way to kind of allow people to like you know uh, have you know a, a forged identity for people who are on the run or things like that. Definitely can have some good uses in this day and age uh, in Star Wars, um, but also some not so good as we'll see. And in the course of doing this, Omega here she's back by the ship. She goes wandering a little bit, and she finds a couple of the droids. Uh, pretty much torturing uh, a young Wookiee. And so she gets involved. uh, She jumps in. The Wookiee starts fighting them. She helps him. And um, more chaos ensues. There's battles. The Bad Batch is pretty quick to uh, say, okay, once we see you torturing a child and, like, enslaving people, as they're clearly doing, because at one point the droids say, well... Because the the Bad Batch, uh, one of them says, you know, you you can't smuggle people. And and the droid's response is for the right price. I can I can do anything I want. At which point the bad batch are like, cool. We're jumping right in. We're helping. They they help the young Wookiee. And during the course of and during the course of the fighting, we find out that he's a Jedi. He and in a really great reveal, I thought that we'll talk about. And so they they help him. There's some great moments on the ship of him being very nervous around them because they're clones and he has just seen 
all of his friends, the entire Jedi community, wiped out by clones. And But eventually they kind of make connections with each other, particularly through Omega, and they decide to take him back home to his home planet of Kashyyyk. And they do that where they find a bunch of Trandoshans who are using Imperial uh, technology and in theory kind of connected to the Empire. They're laying waste to parts of Kashyyyk. They're enslaving Wookiees. And then a big battle ensues between them and the Bad Batch who work with the Wookiees, who does really beautiful, like, we really see kind of more of the the Wookiee culture and mysticism in the way that they are connected to the trees and that the trees talk to them and, and give them a plan. And they win the battle and there's a beautiful kind of celebration moment at the end. And that's the episode. Did I miss anything uh, super important? I don't think so. Um, yeah. There's these creepy little spiders that help them at the end. They're yeah. not little. They're huge. They're like 20 feet tall. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like the, the sp- not quite like the spiders that we saw on Lothal. No, um, not Lothal. What's the planet where they meet the Bendu? Is that Lothal in Rebels? Oh, God. I have no idea. I, okay. I feel like it is because I feel like I, Kanan always just hops on a speeder and not in a ship to go see Bendu. Yeah, I, I think it is on Lothal. Um, let us know in the comments, but please be gentle. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, they're, 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 they're to be reminiscent of that kind of spider, but they're not quite the same. It's sort of, you know, giant spiders are on a lot of planets, which makes me less enthused about the Star Wars galaxy, but different, right, different question. So let me just start by asking you this. When we first meet that young Wookiee, did you immediately think that this is uh, Genji? Genji? <laughs> okay, so I have to expose myself here. Um, I was watching it, and there was like, we heard a Wookiee. And I, I wrote down, definitely Chewie. And then two seconds later, I was like, no Gunji. <laughs> In my notes, I just have definitely Chewie, no Gunji. Uh-huh. And I'm so silly for missing that because I've been avoiding, you know, trailers and spoilers. But one thing I did see and know was that Gunji was going to be in this season. Oh, okay. And then I fully forgot. So it was still a surprise for me. I was like, wait a minute. I know that Wookiee. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see it at all. I, 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 I had that half second of Chewie, but then remembered that we actually know that Chewie is a fully grown adult by this point, exactly, and has been for some time because we saw him back in the in the, in the Clone Wars uh, or during the movies. But I, for some reason, I just I, I remember that there's a wonderful little Wookiee child uh, in the Clone Wars that who's a Jedi, but the Bad Batch has been so pretty clear about, like, the Jedi are mostly wiped out. We're not running into them all the time. That it didn't click for me. And then there's this beautiful reveal moment where you just see him kind of, like, reaching out for something, and then you notice that it's, like, I could be, like, a lightsaber thing, and then it's just, like, the, the recognition starts to dawn on me, and then it hits his hand, and it lights up as a lightsaber, and I'm like, yes! I, I just thought that was so well done. And... We've talked a lot about how the Bad Batch has mostly avoided the Force, and that I'm really happy with that. I thought this was a perfect way to integrate it just a little bit of like, yes, this is still a thing going on. There are survivors of Order 66 running around, but they're very rare, and he's not going to take over the story now because by the end of the episode, he's left with his family on Kashyyyk, and they're going off on their next mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciated that because... It would seem silly to fully ignore that, being that the mm-hmm. clones were such a big part of Order 66. Um, 
So yeah, I liked seeing him again. Seeing his lightsaber. Ugh. Because he has the cutest, it's a wooden lightsaber, and it's just the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's it. That's why, because when the thing started, like, rumbling as he's trying to force pull it, I didn't immediately recognize it as a lightsaber handle. But you're right, it's because it's wooden. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the shiny metal that we're used to. Exactly, yeah. So I loved that, because we got to see him craft that exact lightsaber in mm-hmm. the Clone Wars, and they explained kind of what exactly wood it was made out of. I think it was a wood from Kashyyyk, and it's something yeah, I think that's it's... as strong as metal, basically. Yeah, I think it's from one of those trees that they, they have. there's a mystical connection with, mm-hmm. which I really loved. So what do you think of, of seeing his story again? Because, I, well, I was really struck by it, but I want to hear from you first. Like, what, what was kind of your, like, once we know it's him, how do you feel about how his story plays out this episode? I mean, I think it played out well. I was mm-hmm. happy with it. It was good. It was tough, you know, because, like, last we saw him, he was just this cute little Wookiee having a good time, going on adventures with his friends, pretending to be circus performers. Mm-hmm. And now we see him and he has no friends. He has yeah. nothing. And he's just trying to stay alive and yeah. happens upon some people that are willing to help him. And I feel like he doesn't trust it at first. He doesn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And then they do end up back on Kashyyyk, and he starts like to be more hopeful, sees that it's been decimated and kind of raised, gets upset again. And then they do happen upon other Wookiees who bring him back to the tribe. They meet Yana, which is mm-hmm. the tribe leader, and she kind of talks to Gunji, and they figure out, you know, he doesn't know where he's from. He doesn't know what tribe. He doesn't know his yeah. family. But she's like, well, we're going to keep you here because this is where you belong. That was one of the things that really hit me the hardest because I, I think it totally makes sense to the clones who don't have, you know, they have fought a little with the Jedi, but they don't know that much about like all the inner workings of the Jedi. They're like, oh, he's a Wookiee. His home planet is Kashyyyk. But there's a line where it says he doesn't remember what village he's from because he was probably taken from that village as a very, very young child, like mm-hmm. most of the Jedi were. His home planet, the planet where he has lived 99% of his life, 90% of his life, was Coruscant. And and so there's this beautiful moment of kind of the fact that the tribe, though, is still so accepting of him, and, and Yana especially, has this moment of, like, you don't know it yet, but this is your home. It's always been your home, and you're always welcome here. I don't know. I, I know there's all sorts of debates out there about whether the Jedi are right or wrong to to uh, take children that young. And I, I sort of have some thoughts about it that are not mm-hmm. the most positive towards the Jedi. But not, not even getting into that debate, it just, to me, it was such a beautiful way of illustrating the consequences of that decision. Of that once the Jedi fall, you have all of these, particularly Padawans, but all of them, who may want to go home, but of course not sort of the only home they've known. And so it's this reconnection moment that just it was really beautiful to see yeah i agree so at the very end we get this moment of uh so towards the very end of the episode one thing you know we established that like they they talk to the trees and i love that the bad batch is kind of a little like they're surprised by it, but not in an insulting way. And mm-hmm. at one point, uh, Tech just explains what's happening, and but doesn't. He's clearly not judging it. He just says like they believe that the trees do this, and mm-hmm. which I appreciated. 
And at the very end, we have a moment of uh, Gunji kind of putting his hand on the tree in a kind of meditative listening moment. And Omega's right next to him doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what what did you think was happening there? Because I, I could see it either as Omega is just kind of mirroring what she's seeing around her and trying to do what they're doing because she's into this and, and that's what she does always. Or did you think it was supposed to be a moment of hinting that she might be force sensitive as well? I agree with the first thing you said. I kind of felt... Yeah. Like, she's Omega. She wants to understand. She wants to be in it with the people that she's with. And I think it's just like she saw before that all the Wookiees, they sat there, they put their hands on the tree, and they communicated, and the trees laid out a plan for them Mm -hmm. to defeat the Transodotians and the Stormtroopers. And then after that battle, we see them again, and Gunji puts his hand on the tree, and that's when Omega joins him. And I think she's just like... Almost like thanking the trees. She wants to communicate with them. Like, yeah. they were allies. They helped them out. And I just saw it as, like, yeah, just like a normal person connecting with nature, kind of. Yeah. I think that's where I go, too. And I I, I asked the question in part because, well, I was curious also if you saw it differently, but also because I imagine we're going to get a lot of, look, look, this is proof she's Force-sensitive. And... I'm sure the open the idea that she might be at some point, but I but I really agree with you that I don't think that that's what this means. I think it's just mm-hmm. because most of the other Wookiees who are communing with the trees like that are not force sensitive themselves. Yeah. What else about the episode really stood out to you that you wanted to comment on? Um, I had a few things. Uh, just a funny tech quote. Uh huh. Is when so we have Wrecker, Hunter, and Tech at the start of the episode. They're meeting with the droids on from. What did you call it? The Axis? Yeah, I think it's the Axis connection or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, And the droids are double-checking the chain codes, and they hear some blaster fire. And then all the droids leave to go find out what it is. And Tech goes, the cause of that blaster fire is either Echo or Omega. Most likely (laughs) Omega. Yep. And it's just, it's so funny to me. Of course he's right. It's always Omega. (laughs) And it's so perfect because from any other character, you'd expect it to be like, ugh, what is Omega up to again? You know, some degree of, like, loving exasperation, but definitely exasperation. From him, he is literally just stating a fact. Yeah. And, like, you can see that other people would have some feelings about it, but he's in the same way that he was with the, with the Wookiees and their trees. It's just like, this is the fact. That is yeah. almost certainly Omega who is causing this ruckus. <laughs> I really liked what we saw from the Bad Batch in general this episode, particularly because both when they're first meeting, uh, I keep wanting to call him Grogu, Genji, <laughs> uh, when they first meet Genji, and also on the on the planet with the Trandoshans, where it starts out where they're not going to fight necessarily, but Genji just jumps into the fight, the Bad Batch pretty much immediately follows. You know, they've had a lot of moments up till now especially in season one, but even in this season early, of, like, them trying to decide when is someone else's fight their fight. And here, and I I, I think, you know, you've joked about them going, being the dad batch, which I think is kind of very true. Mm-hmm. It's, and Hunter's the one who says it, but they all clearly agree it's because children are being harmed, that they yeah. just have no question, we're not allowing this to stand, we're, we're getting involved. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that. It's just, like, no matter the danger or, like, the political affiliations or whatever, like, 
they have their morals, and that mm-hmm. includes protecting children. Yep. Because everyone should protect children. They should be able to be children. And in this moment, like we've seen with Omega, she never got to be a child. And we see, especially with Gunji, he absolutely never got to be a child. He yeah. was a Padawan. He was always training, you know. There's a sense of childlikeness with it. Um, but, you know, we actually didn't see him as a Padawan. We saw him as a youngling. Um, right. But now the Jedi have fallen and he can never be a child again. He's fighting for his life at all moments. Right. And I think they see and they recognize how hurt and scared and unsafe he feels. And that, like, really strikes a note with the Bad Batch because they're like, that's how Omega felt when we first found her. She yeah. was alone and she was scared and she was trying to find people to connect with. And so I think, yeah, it was just beautiful that it kind of paralleled with how they reacted to Gunji and being mm-hmm. so willing to help him find his people and help him find the family that he can yeah, that's connect a great- to. I, I hadn't even put my my finger on it, but that's such a great connection of his early moments being like Omega's early moments. And I think it's – I wonder if he would have been able to build that trust with the Bad Batch if Omega wasn't there. Because yeah. for him – again, I, we don't hear him say this, but for I, I have to imagine she doesn't look like a clone. She's not in the armor mm-hmm. of the people that he last saw, you know, decimating all of his fellow Jedi. And – uh uh, uh, you know, executing all of his fellow Jedi. So, so yeah, I, I, I love that connection. I think you're really right. And that it's Omega who's the bridge between them is so important. Absolutely. There's a particular line also that I love that speaks to that. I think it's from Hunter. Hunter is talking to Yana and says, you know, it, look, look at them being children. It, it's so sad that they, they didn't get to be children. And and Yana talks about the, you know, that they, they could find other pet that, that he has now found his home. Um, Genji has, and and so there can be paths for all of us, which might well imply that we're still going to go find a home for Omega. But either way, I just thought it was such a beautiful sentiment of of both of these adults recognizing, like, this is one of the tragedies that's happened to these two kids. Yeah. What other things stood out for you? Um, <laughs> I had a couple notes about the Trandoshans. Um, I've come to realize through the Clone Wars and through other episodes or other things where we've seen Trandoshans, I think they were in like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Mm -hmm. Trandoshans are as strong as the plot needs them to be. Yep. In the Clone Wars, we saw Ahsoka and three, two other former Padawans fighting these Trandoshans that were hunting them for sport. And it took three of them to take down one Trandoshan. They yeah. were they were punching and punching him in the face. He would just not even move, just stare straight back and headbutt them, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And this episode, we saw Hunter literally punch out a Trandoshan. Yeah, I wrote down Hunter absolutely did not just punch out a Trandoshan because I was like, "There's no <laughs> way." And then it's just yeah, it's funny. We saw several of them taken down with one blaster shot, and we saw that for Wookiees, too. And in the past, right. we've never seen that. Wookiees can take a few shots. Trandoshans can take a few shots. Yeah. And so I thought it was just kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking a lot about kind of the role that Trandoshans have started to play. And we, we see them as far back as Empire Strikes Back when Vader has, you know, called together all those bounty hunters uh, to go looking for them, letting Falcon and, and Han Solo and all the rest of them. It's funny because in a lot of the different parts of the universe... Uh, in a lot of different parts of Star Wars, we're starting to explore the idea of, like, you know, even the people we're fighting, there's still other sentients. There are other people. 
and the trend, and that they're not always all good or all bad. The trend oceans are just like they're always bad. You know, they're kind of become the stand-in of like, like the droid, like the bad battle droids. They're always just going to be evil and bad and terrible, and so therefore, anything we do to them is always okay. Mm-hmm. And when this really struck out for me was there's a moment when Genji is watching three of the spiders like just beating up on one of the Trandoshans and then they and he and he's watching and I was kind of like is he going to step in is he going to like stop this I had the this? same thought yeah and and then we see him like get wrapped up in the spider web and kind of being slowly pulled up and I was like is this when Genji is going to intervene in some way and then Genji just walks away just lets and it happen <laughs> I I don't blame him like but it felt it felt like a Jedi would have to stand in and be like, no, the sanctity of all life. I have to, like, stop this. Um, and it may well be that for Genji, he was like, he's he's seen that the, the ideals of the Jedi didn't really work very well. And he's a little more pragmatic. And if that's where he is, God bless him. But I also felt like because it was a Trandoshan, like, I don't know if they could have done that if it was an Imperial officer, you know, or, or someone else like that who... And, and both within the story, I think that makes sense, but also outside the story, it's like, is it because those people are so, you know, they're reptilian, they look evil, they, they, they I hate even using that kind of language, but like, they look like the kind of thing that we're conditioned to think, like, oh, that's a bad alien. Um, and so therefore, it's okay to, to do those things to him. It, it was just it was a really interesting, like, I don't, I'm wondering where the writers are going with this. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Trandoshans are almost always used as evil. The only mm-hmm. one we've seen be good is Sid. And yeah. I oh, yes, always I forget, that, forget that Sid is a Trandoshan because yeah. she's good and because she's shorter than the rest of them. Like, yeah. you just don't think of her in the same, like, oh, this is like a tank person who's just going to take you out and do well, all And she's a woman. Stuff. I think it's always the men who are out hunting. I don't think we've ever seen any women Trandoshans, like, out fighting. That's a really good point. I don't, yeah. I don't know if we've ever seen a female Trandoshan. Other yeah. than Sid. I, I would love it if at some point we run across a Trandoshan who's like running an underground railroad, you know, who's like, oh, I'm horrified. Like, just, just give us a little more depth to that community. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. But it was. It was, it was some great storytelling. One other moment that stood out for me is that as far back as Chewbacca in the original movies, the Wookiees have spoken their language that I can't quite pronounce the name of. And... It's Shriwook. Shriwook, thank you. And we get, we never get like a full translation. We get, you know, Han responding to them or Han or someone else saying like, well, this, you know, he's saying like, be careful about him. We always get the clear indication of what the Wookiee is saying, but very rarely the exact wording. And in Revenge of the Sith, we did get like direct text on screen translations. And I really didn't like it because it felt like... It was, um, I don't know, like I kind of felt like that was, it was sort of set apart in a way that we didn't get that for the most part. And so I loved that at the very end, you know, even throughout the episode, Tech is paraphrasing what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But at the very end, when Yana is like giving these comments about like how, yes, we won this fight, but it was difficult and all that, Tech literally translates it word for word. And you can see like the translator on the screen going. And it, it was a small little thing, but that struck me really hard of, how much respect it was of, like, I'm not going to paraphrase. I want you to hear her exact words. Yeah, like, what she's saying is very powerful. Like, it has a lot of meaning. And it needs exactly. to be heard, exactly as it said. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that's about all I had on this episode. Anything else you wanted to touch base on? Not really, other than just the continued theme of always losing children during battles. Yeah. <laughs> They're just out there fighting the Trandoshans with the Wookiees, pa pa pa. All of a sudden, I don't remember who it was. It was either Hunter or Echo. Where are the kids? Yeah. And then it cuts to Omega and Gunji running through the forest, chasing or running from Captain Venomar, which is the... Yeah. Trandoshan that we see pulled up into the spiderweb. Right. Yeah, that's right. Also, he was the leader of that. So maybe that's even more okay that we're, we're seeing him tortured. Right. <laughs> but again, it's like, I don't have any problems with it. I was surprised Genji didn't have any problems with it. But yeah. there you go. Because I like Obi-Wan, I- Anakin, I think, would have been like, sure. And Ahsoka yeah. would have been like, master. Like, mm-hmm. like but, Ahsoka would have stepped in. Obi-Wan would have stepped in. Mm-hmm. Anakin, almost definitely not. Yeah. And I think it's kind of very telling that Gunji didn't yeah. because it's to me, it was kind of a sign of like he has fully detached himself from the Jedi. He doesn't yeah, really. OK, maybe not fully, but he's detached himself from some of their morals. He understands that they were wrong and that it led them to right. a place that made them vulnerable. Right. And he's trying to avoid that. Well, especially because, like you said, he never even became a Padawan. He never had a master. So there's probably some extent to which that lesson wasn't really drummed in his head as much. Yeah. But also, yeah, I think it's that he's, especially when he, like, he never says, like, Kashyyyk was never my home. Or he he's like, the Jedi are done. The Jedi are gone. This is who I am now. Yeah. Which leads to the last thing I guess I wanted to say. And I don't want me to end this on a dark note. Maybe you can offer some some hope in a different way. I have a funny thing afterwards. Okay, good. So we won't be total <laughs> darkness. But, but respond to this as well. I loved seeing that Genji survived. But for me, and I know that I'm kind of a little bit of an original trilogy purist, and this has become like less and less true, you know, by the time of the original trilogy, the idea is that the Jedi are pretty much completely wiped out. You know, there's Obi-Wan and Yoda still hanging around, though... Um, barely. There's Luke, who they, they can refer to as the last hope. You know, Ahsoka, because of the, the timey-wimey shenanigans, winds up missing all of this. There's one or two others who might be out there. But every time you show a Jedi who survived Order 66, you have to then ask the question, why weren't they involved in the civil war against the Empire? And I think what we're supposed to... May, maybe they're going to say that he survived somehow and he just hit on Kashyyyk. But I think from everything they've told us, especially by the time of Rebels, that these Inquisitors are out there hunting down the last of the lost Jedi and mostly finding them, I think he's eventually... I, I, my thought is that he's, he's one of the ones who is eventually caught and probably killed. And I hope hope not turned, but, you know, he probably does not survive till the Galactic Civil War. I get that. I would say... I kind of hold out the hope, maybe... Mm-hmm. Or have the thought of, since we saw him differing from the Jedi in that way with mm-hmm. the Trandoshan captain, that maybe he, in the next few months or years of being with his tribe and his people, maybe he just does put that all behind him mm-hmm. and just fully dives into being a Wookiee. Right. And I don't know if the Inquisitors have like lists of all the Padawans and things like that. I don't remember right. if they do. <laughs> but if they don't, and he's not using his lightsaber and he's not acting as a Jedi, 
Right. I don't know that they would find him. My one question, were the Wookiees involved in the Civil War against the Empire? So we know from a number of different sources that the Empire does take over Kashyyyk and that Wookiee slaves are being used to build the Death Star. You remember there's an episode in Rebels where they yeah, rescue yeah, yeah. some of them. <clears throat> so certainly by that time, we know that the Empire is all over Kashyyyk. And I have trouble imagining that Gunji wouldn't fight back using all of his powers. But yeah, maybe he, he escapes or maybe he gets away or maybe he does, as you say, fully close himself off to the Force as they never quite recognize who he is. Um, it's possible. It's certainly possible. Yeah. So what was one, your last one thing? Oh, yeah. Um, I just thought it was funny um, when Hunter was talking about Gunji and was like, talking to Gunji. He goes, mm-hmm. oh, make sure you don't use your laser sword so they don't know you're a Jedi. It's yeah. like, Hunter, you fought with the Jedi. You know that's a lightsaber. What are you talking about? Yeah. Laser sword. You sound stupid right now. <laughs> I just thought that Except was Except that that's what, like, even, you know, even Luke says that, you know, right. <laughs> Last Jedi. Like, I like it's become kind of the slang term. Um, <laughs> True. But, yeah, True. It, it was a little bit silly from him. That's for sure. True. So I think that's a good place to wrap up this main section. For those who are supporters of us on Patreon, we're going to have a bonus content, as we always do. And for those of you who want to join us and support us on Patreon, uh, it's a great way to help keep, you know, help show your support for the podcast we're doing, both here and on Superhero Ethics. Uh, you get some great things, including access to the bonus content. You get merch. You can help us plan an episode at higher rates. And I want to just say a quick thank you to those people who've recently signed up. Uh, Mary Garrett, Paul Christopher Hoppy, Steve Maloney, and Riley, thank you all so much for becoming patrons. And of course, if you don't want to become a patron, no problem at all. There's other great ways to support this show. Make sure you like, you subscribe, you follow us, you give us five-star reviews, or you know, not five-star if you have some comments to make, please let us know. Uh, reviews are always so helpful. Share this with your friends. Get them into the conversation. And most importantly, you can join the conversation with us. We love user feedback. We've gotten some great comments already. We're probably going to do a feedback episode pretty soon. You can find us on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, email, and all that information is in both the show notes and at theethicalpanda.com. So please check out that website. Please follow. Please think about uh, joining us on Patreon. Uh, Paul Hoppy, Zen Madman, who's been a regular co-host on both of my shows, he's actually started a podcast. Uh, he's actually started a Patreon of his own as well now, where he's talking about what he's doing with poker and chess and learning. A lot of great stuff there. Definitely worth checking out. And so, Aaron, for those people who want to, you know, see more about what you're doing uh, with cosplay and, like, your Star Wars opinions and all that kind of stuff, where can they find you? Yeah. So my handle is Lady period Tano period creates, and that's on Instagram and TikTok. Come join me. See what I have to say about – let's be honest. I mostly talk about clones and cosplay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Two good topics. So. If you like that, come on by. <laughs> Definitely worth checking out. Oh, Definitely worth checking out. And if you find me through the podcast, comment on my video and tell me that because I'm always curious. I'm like, are these new followers from the podcast or did they just happen upon my account? Yes, definitely please do that because I would love to know because I one of the things I'm so honored that we get you as a guest. We get all these great people's guests and you know one of the few things I can give back is giving that opportunity for other people to find what you're doing. So please do check out all the things that uh, Lady Tano is creating. Mm-hmm. And if you do, let us know that you come from here. So – And so please do all that. Please thank, and most importantly, thank you as much for listening and have a great day.